Welcome back to If It Ain't Baroque Podcast, your friendly history special. This is Gemma. Hi. And Natalie. On today's episode, we're talking to TK from For the Love of History Podcast, and we're chatting about holidays. Christmas, Valentine's, New Year's, and everything in between. Right, so the first question is, do only Christian countries celebrate Christmas? No and yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, because... Christmas in other countries are there, but some of them have to do with Christianity and some of them have nothing to do with Christianity and some of them are purely commercial, like here in Japan. I just looked at this the other day and it's the population, the percentage of of people in Japan who are Christians is like less than 1% of the population, of the entire population. And that has a lot to do with like... Japan just like murdering a bunch of Jesuit priests and closing off the country for like 300 years, which is like another story. Here in Japan, people celebrate very commercially. So there's Mm -hmm. lots of Christmas sales and Christmas cakes and Christmas, you know, decorations and stuff in the grocery stores and in in the department stores and things like that. But it has absolutely nothing to do with Christianity and everything to do with making money. So... Here in Japan, Christmas is not really a family holiday. Some families will, you know, give their little kids Christmas presents and things like that. The uh, the two years that I couldn't go home because of COVID, my in-laws dug up the Christmas tree that they had from when my husband was 10 and... <laughs> His childhood Christmas tree. They dug it out from the basement. This poor, like, Charlie Brown Christmas-looking Christmas tree and, like, decorated it for me. And they were like, sorry, you can't see your American family. Here's Japanese Christmas. But traditionally, traditionally, within the last 60, 70 years, Christmas has been a holiday for couples and couples only. Yeah, it's a huge, huge couples thing. Like if you a lot of people get proposed to on Christmas Eve, which at least in like America, it's a little bit on the tacky side to, Mm -hmm. to get proposed to or to propose on Christmas. Imagine if you say no. (laughs) Christmas is dead. (laughs) So uh, I told that to my brother-in-law. He ended up changing his proposal plans to my sister-in-law because he was going (laughs) to propose to her on Christmas Eve. I know I felt bad. But uh, yeah, if you if you're single on Christmas here, it's bad, but in a different way. It's like you're a single Pringle. You don't have anybody to love and take you on a little Christmas date. It's almost like Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is also backwards here. Okay, we need to know about that then. Yeah, we need to know about that. A little sidebar for Valentine's Day. So Valentine's Day here, the women give men chocolate. Oh, that's terrible. And then, just wait, they fabricated a whole nother holiday for the men to then return the chocolate at double the price of whatever they got. Let's say, you know, you get Dove chocolate, then the, you know, two times equivalent of Dove chocolate might be Godiva chocolate or something like that. That's called White Day, and it's on March 14th, exactly a month apart from each other. So there's different levels of chocolate giving, too. You have Tomo chocolate, which is chocolate that you give to your friends. Tomodachi is friend in Japanese, so you have Tomo chocolate. It's meaningless chocolate. It's not like I love you chocolate. And then you have Senpai chocolate. You give it to your like higher ups, Mm -hmm. so people who are higher than you, which is like slightly nicer chocolate. And then you have like the love chocolate, which is the chocolate that typically is you make yourself and this is like a thing for the high school students like they get really into it and the all the girls you know make these like special chocolates for the person that they like and then you know the friend chocolates for anybody else they're just Mm -hmm. like you know little things and then on march 14th the men who have received chocolates then in return give chocolates back I'm okay with this now. Now, now that we're getting it back, I'm okay. And that we're getting the higher, higher up chocolate, I'm, I'm fine with this. But, uh, I kind of like that. I can, I kind of like that. There's um, a hierarchy of chocolate because do you know that way where 
if you've just started a relationship and it's like mm-hmm. I don't want to give a present when it comes to Christmas and Valentine's Day and it's like you don't want to be you don't know what to buy because is this too much for a start of a relationship are we just mm-hmm. friends or are we not that's what this makes sense this is a good way of living yeah kind of like jewelry in some way it's kind of yeah there's a sort of the thank you jewelry for mm-hmm. friends and then there's mm-hmm. you know the i imagine you know the tiffany bracelets that you get yep. to your you know fiance or something yep you know yep. so mm-hmm. yeah and then isn't there some sort of a yeah certain number of salaries that the man has to spend on an engagement ring or something yeah. so yeah it's interesting how yeah. commercialized gifting is with the sort of yes. guideline okay this is okay and i'm here and that being like a <laughs> crazy hot scale of Barney Stinson except uh, the hierarchy of yeah. chocolate. The hierarchy of gift giving is has reached an elite level here in Japan. There is an appropriate gift for every single situation. Gift giving here is next level. So anytime you go over to somebody's house, you bring a gift. Anytime you go on a vacation and you inconvenience your co-workers, you must bring back a gift, right? And there's categories of gifts. So if you go on a vacation for a a short period of time, then you get something called omiyage, which is just a souvenir. It just means souvenir. And usually it's some snack, some snack that's really famous in that area. Okay. So there's your hierarchy of snack. And then if you are giving somebody a gift for giving you a gift because you all you have to return always it's this endless freaking cycle of of giving and receiving gifts towels are a very good safe bet hand towels dish towels all sorts of towels so when my husband and i got married everybody gave us money and so we had to take half of that money and purchase gifts to give back to the people and towels is like the traditional gift that you give. So it's already like decided. Pretty much everybody gets a towel, a really nice towel. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Monica Geller would be so proud. I know. <laughs> if somebody did something really nice for you, then fruit. You give them fruit or meat. And there's, you know, magazines full of really nice fruit and really nice meat. Or you go to the grocery store in the super nice section and you're like, okay, I will take this $40 watermelon and please send it to my friend in this place. And it is fantastic. It sounds amazing. But where did that come from? Is this a commercial thing or is this uh, back in history? Just the culture thing. Gift giving is such a huge part of like Japan. And some people really like it and some people think it's Mm -hmm. really annoying. And at at a certain point, sometimes it is a little bit annoying. But it's also really nice too because Mm -hmm. you have very clear rules of like, this is what is expected of you. This is what you have to do. This is the three gifts that you are you know traditionally supposed to give and it's nice so yeah that's it's been a part of the culture for like years and years and years and years hundreds of years right uh, what is the traditional gifts in japan for around christmas it could be literally anything if you're a couple jewelry is a pretty big one branded things purses or bags or shoes or things like that because not everybody but a lot of people in japan i would say the, a large population enjoy branded things, not necessarily like Gucci, Prada, things like that, but North Face and Adidas and things like that. It's always safe to to get a branded thing. I mean, that's kind of the same here now. Mm-hmm. Well, like branded things and... Yeah. Well, Jim and I get books, so... We do, we do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Books are the best. Big fan. Huge fan of the book. <laughs> Jim and I just do sort of a box of books here. Here's a box of books that's going to take you to Easter. Sorry, I mean next Sunday. Yes. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> Where does Santa come from? And is there different variations around the world? So Santa is a very controversial figure because lots of countries claim Santa. And... There's a difference between Santa and St. Nicholas. So Santa Claus and St. Nicholas are like kind of two two different things. St. Nicholas, as in his legend, maybe was a real person, maybe wasn't a real person. Kind of one of those like Arthurian characters. 
according to the Catholic Church, is from Turkey. So the the historical figure was from Turkey. And then the St. Nicholas story then moved into Germany. Mm-hmm. And he also has his little sidekick of Krampus that yeah. appears in a lot of Eastern European holidays, a lot of pagan holidays, a lot of Christian holidays. So you've got Krampus, you've got your St. Nick. And then Santa Claus, the first depiction of Santa Claus. So in the 19th century, in 1863, in Harper's Weekly, so was the first mod, like that modern depiction of like the rosy cheek, the fat belly, the red suit of Santa Claus. So really Saint Nick and Santa are completely different people. And then you have all of the little like very scary (laughs) characters surrounding this time period, that time of the year that sometimes have things to do with Santa and sometimes have things to do with St. Nick and sometimes are their own thing altogether. So I have a little bit of a list of these um, of two of my favorites. So I guess three kind of. So first I'll, I'll tell you about the cult classic. Krampus. We've got Krampus. Not really sure exactly where he started from somewhere in Austria, Germany area. And he started out as his own little pagan dude. And then sometime when Christianity came and was like, hey, everybody be Catholic. They, you know, they combined it, combined it, combounded, combound, combined. (laughs) (laughs) They combined the two together. So Krumpus is this, you know, demon guy. He kind of looks like the devil. He's really scary. He's got goat horns and big old fangs and he's a terrifying guy. And Krumpus is less of a one, is more of a species and less of a, a single character. These crumpuses, crumpusi, what is the plural of crumpus? <laughs> <laughs> These crumpi go out on December 5th, which is Krumpus night or Krumpus Nacht in German. Krumpus goes out and he sees, you know, if all the little boys and girls were good or they were bad. And this also has levels. So if they were not the best, then he would just beat them with his little birch twigs. And then if they were really bad, then he would eat them. If they were super duper bad, he would kidnap them, take them back to his little cave, torture them and then eat them. Austria goes hard. Germany goes so hard <laughs> on their fairy tales. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My grandmother's family are German. So we got that lovely little Christmas story when we were younger. And um, I can remember her telling me, and I'm going, wait, what? <laughs> no. And I can remember being terrified of him coming in the middle of the night and eating my toes because that's I mean you know that way where it's like Chinese whispers these myths and they kind of everybody has a their different take on it mm-hmm. that's that's what we get told he would eat our toes Santa Claus is quite scary too because I see when you think about it kids just get threatened at Christmas I'm not going to lie mm-hmm. I do, kids I do do it to, I, well I have when they were younger obviously they don't believe now but um even when I was younger I was oh, you're going on the naughty list <laughs> Kids have a hard life. They really have, they just get threatened on their favorite holidays. Yeah. <laughs> their parents openly endorse kidnapping. <laughs> they do. We have a town myth. It's a guy called Tom Dunnicky, right? My parents did it. I, d- I did kind of do it a little bit. And then I thought, what am I doing to my children? And I stopped it. But it's a, everybody kind of knows in the town, if you're bad, you'll go to Tom Dunnicky's house, right? This started, according to my dad... There was a guy in the town called Tom Dunnicky who owned a children's home at one point mm-hmm. and he used to beat the children because obviously children's homes were horrible back in the day. Yeah. They'd done yeah. horrible things and everybody used to be terrified so she used to threaten the kids and everybody, every kid in my hometown knows who Tom Dunnicky is and they know oh they don't like go there. I mean, he's been dead for centuries probably. That's what my brother's um, telling his kids, used to tell his kids when they were younger that if they're not here, they're going to have to come live with me. Oh, you're the Tom Dunnicky. It's probably true, is it now? Live with your Aunt Natalie. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we've got our Krampus, our lovely Krampus, who threatens the children. And then the next day, the kids who have not been eaten or beaten, they get presents. Yay! Yay. (laughs) 
Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have another one. We've got the Yule Cat of Iceland. All right. Don't don't be too excited. Oh, <laughs> no, this, no, no. This cat is also not nice to children. <laughs> so before I tell you about the Yule cat, I have to explain to you about the Yule lads and their mom. Okay. So Iceland, again, wild. Fairy tales, 10 out of 10, crazy as hell. So <laughs> we've got this lady named Gryla. Okay. G-R-Y-L-A. And at the beginning of her origin story in Iceland, she has nothing to do with Christmas. She is this 18-headed, 100-eyed, scary, fanged lady um, who roams the, the Icelandic world. And so, you know, she's just out here being creepy and just killing people because she is the representation of the harshness of, Ire of Iceland with the volcanoes and the snow mm. and the ice and the mm. Iceland is wild. So that's her origin story. And she has these children, the Yule lads, right? And so the Yule lads, there are anywhere between nine and 25 Yule lads. It just depends on the story. And these Yule lads are her children and they're all trolls, okay? And they, <laughs> they have a family pet, the Yule cat. And the Yule cat is a giant child-eating cat. It <laughs> eats children. The cat comes later, okay? The Yule lads, some of them are good and some of them are not good. And their job is to bring presents to the good kids. And each night, a different son, a different Yule lad goes out and gives the gifts. And they all have like special little names, in Icelandic, I'm not going to say it because I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> one that's like the door knocker. And then there's one that's called the nibbler. And they do these things. They like knock on the door and then they leave the presents. The nibbler like nibbles on things and then leaves the presents. And one comes every single day. Sometimes it's for the first 13 days, like the 13 days of Christmas or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then some in some legends, it's the 25. It just so it gives me vibes between the Lost Boys of Peter Pan mm. and that wonderful kitty in the Great Mouse Detective Basil with the I think her name was Felicia. Yes, and yes. Uh, she yes. was the pet of Professor Rattigan, and he was all, "Did my little honey bunny enjoy her tasty little treat?" And she was just <laughs> putting those uh, little kind of minions if they misbehaved, she uh -huh. would just eat them and he's like did you yeah. enjoy a tasty little treat yeah, very <laughs> much that very Sorry. much that. yeah because there were some good ones there were some bad ones and she was just devouring the ones that were naughty so technically this is giving me those vibes sorry <laughs> <laughs> totally totally a hundred percent so after you know the yule boys go out and do their door knocking and they're nibbling then either uh, on the 14th day or the, the 25th day, whichever, you know, uh, legend you go with, the Yule Cat comes out and the Yule Cat is huge. And it's based off of this cat that is naturally occurring. That's a weird thing to say about a cat, but it's like native to, native yep. to, not naturally occurring, <laughs> native to Iceland. Yep. The bog standard Icelandic cat. Got it. Yes, exactly. Yep. And it's, but it's huge. It's bigger than houses. And so what this cat does is it prowls around the different houses and it looks to see, okay, which kids got presents and which kids don't have presents right now. And one of the indicators was like clothes. Did these kids have new clothes? And if they didn't have, because clothes was like a common gift at the time, mm -hmm. like new socks or new whatever. And if they didn't have any presents or any new clothes, then the cat would either eat them right there or take them back to Grail, the, the lady, and then she would like torture them and eat them herself. So that is minions um, of Christmas. <laughs> Side note about Grail, uh, Gryla, Gryla, G-R-Y-L-A, Gryla. 
she after she stopped being like an 18 headed monster, she was like, okay, let me just turn into a human for a little bit and get married to this man. And then when she she was like married to this man for a while, and then she got bored of him. And then she ate him. (laughs) (laughs) And then she like had her nine to 25 children. So (laughs) it's wild. So it's not a traditionally vegetarian diet. No, She's having <laughs> absolutely not of any kind. And so, yeah, nowadays in Iceland, the 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 Yule lads are still around, but they're very much Christianized. They're very tame now. They're very cutesy. They've been a little bit Disneyified. They mm. they're not as terrifying anymore. Which, you know, kids these days, they just don't know the terror of the Yule lads like they used Jesus to. <laughs> I know, it's wild. Yeah. I've said um, this before, but I'm going to say it again. And this is why moms don't go to Iceland. Yeah. <laughs> moms against Iceland. <laughs> in Eastern Europe, particularly in Soviet Union and now in mm-hmm post-Soviet countries, you also have this basically kind of a Russian alternative to, uh, say, Nick slash Santa. Basically, he's a main alternative to Santa, and he's called Dead Maros, which basically Mm -hmm. means Grandfather Frost, because he didn't have the the, the Christmas, so they had to kind of do an alternative of it on Mm -hmm. New Year's, and he is a New Year's person. And um, he usually has his sidekick, which is the, what do you call it, kind of the snow maiden? So kind of granddaughter kind of thing. And it's a usual sighting on New Year's to see uh, people dressed up as both going from one children's party to another. And um, yeah, bringing presents and grandfather Frost, I think, if you translate. But yeah, he's 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 huge over there. Size-wise as well. So is he kind of in the same kind of outfit as Santa? Would people out with recognize him? Sorry, she is in blue. Right. So it's a blue and white, and he is red and white, or actually he can be also in blue and white or white and white. Oh, wow. It it varies, basically, because blue is also because she's wearing blue because she's the frost snow maiden, so they maybe oh. vary it so they don't mm. both look the same kind of color palette, pleasing to the eye. And she has a giant, giant braid or plait whatever one Ooh. calls it, across her body. Very, very long one. She has very long hair, so it's braided into a into one braid. That's cool. That's really cool. But it's yeah, New I Year's. Like that. That's the thing. It's, it's New Year's because in Soviet Union, you didn't have Christmas because you didn't have religion. Mm-hmm. So they decided to do mm-hmm. something for the kids. So they decided mm-hmm. to do a, a New Year's. And when I was growing up, yeah, Christmas was a religious holiday that you kind of had to do it. If you're Catholic, you do it on 25th of December. Mm-hmm. If you um uh, Orthodox or Lutheran, you did it. Um, actually, no, Lutheran, no. But if you were Russian Orthodox, you did it, I think, in the beginning of January, if I'm not mistaken. I should know because I am one. Not too religious, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. If you were very religious, then you adhere to these days. But generally, mm-hmm. for the kind of family festivities, then you did just the normal New Year's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. She's giving me Elsa vibes. The blue and yes. the really long braid. <laughs> yes. Very actually. much Elsa. The like frost queen, snow queen kind of a thing. So it's Disney. basically, yeah, you're kind of Russian Santa with Elsa and they're together <laughs> entertaining the kids. With Elsa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how they do it now because I've been lived there many years. But last time I spoke to my sister-in-law, she said that so Christmas is bigger n- there now than it was 20 years ago. Mm. And I imagine it's because of the whole commercialism and, you know, the, the West sort of be loading over all the all the holidays because, you know, Halloween wasn't a thing 20 years ago as it is now. So mm. now it's you know, no. an official holiday and like, what are you gonna mm. do for happy halloween it, it's not a thing we, we invented that remember that we can celebrate but just remember that we invented it it's, it doesn't exist so same kind of with um christmas so it sort of came in from the west and now they have things for 2025 so it's a lot more westernized than it was before that's what i'm trying to say yeah because i mean ha- even like when i was growing up we did do halloween but we did trick-or-treating stuff like that we it, it was a christian holiday 
it wasn't about candy or anything like that. And then the day after is All Saints Day. So yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it's a Catholic holiday. And it was growing up here. Whereas now we have things like, oh, I didn't even know this was a thing until recently. And I don't know how. Apparently it's an American thing. Boo baskets now here. Now I've got a granddaughter and my, my daughter's coming out with all these Americanized things around all these holidays that were in my day religious, but now it's overly commercialized. So what's a what's a boo basket? I don't even understand. You you will know. I'll take this. So boo baskets started out in the South. The Midwest and the South, they love a gift. They love a gift. And I'm from the Midwest. Midwest moms go hard. There's like a few different stories of how it started, but the one that I find to be the most true is that these Midwest and these Southern moms were like, I want to like make something cute for my kids who can't do, you know, trick-or-treating anymore. So we're going to make these boo baskets and they're just like fun little, you know, stocking stuffer type things. There's some candy in there, maybe like cute little blankets, some fuzzy socks, like whatever. And now people are going like in insane over the top with boo baskets and then after these like boomer and millennial parents were like doing this thing no i guess it was the boomers and then this gen xers who were doing it who originally started it and then the millennials were like oh my gosh i love this but millennials like we don't have kids anymore uh we just stop having children altogether (laughs) <laughs> if you believe what the media says. So then all these millennials were like, I want my boyfriend to, or my partner or whatever to make me a boo basket. So then all of these millennial women and people were showing their partners, look at this boo basket. It would be really cool to have this boo basket. It would be really nice. And so it was like a whole thing, a whole thing on TikTok where men were like, okay, guys, I'm going to show you how to make your girl a boo basket. And they were like making a boo basket or whatever. And it was a whole trend. <sighs> Is this kind of like a, a, a double meaning in the word boo? So it's like your boo has to make it no. for you. And then it's boo as in scary. Is that like a thing? Am I making this up? We're just reading fast. I think you're genius. Originally, I don't think it did, but that makes sense. That makes a that lot of sense. That makes sense to me. Oh, uh, now I'm annoyed. I'm, I didn't get a boo basket, so... My daughter is out of the house. She's got her own child now. And we do, and we can get into that a wee bit later on, but we do Christmas stockings. We do Christmas Eve boxes in our family, mm-hmm. right? Because she's out of the house, I was like, right, okay. We do the Christmas Eve boxes still because all my kids come on Christmas Eve here. We do Christmas Eve mm-hmm. instead of Christmas Day. And um, that was fine. And then she said, it's okay. My partner will do the stocking. Yeah, he didn't get it right. So this year I have to do a stocking. I mean, she knows Santa's not bringing that sock in, but still. So maybe if I tell her about the boo basket, because she got one for her daughter, so I didn't know it was a thing for guys. Oh, he's in so much trouble this year. Yeah, so much. I I don't know. I think he might be a little bit safe because it just became like a trend. It's crazy how everything has become so commercialized. I'm going to blame millennials. I blame us. I blame us. Yeah. We're the worst. We huh? have single-handedly destroyed the planet. <laughs> so right, so what should what should we be given at Christmas? What should we be given at what Christmas? What should we be given at Christmas? Well, it depends on the country that you're in. You could be given this little, like, candies and stuff. You could be given clothes, socks, little treats, like sweets and stuff. Or if you're bad, you could be given a potato if you're in Iceland. Yeah, you're not bad enough to get kidnapped by the Yule cat, but you're pretty bad, so you get a potato. <laughs> so that's like, we, I don't know if you get this in America or anywhere else, but we get coal here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. usually what it is. It's right, coal. Okay. As in your child. My child's got coal, yeah. <laughs> yes, everyone gets a, your child, a clone of your kid. <laughs> Last year, one of his mates actually made like a, a wee gif with a, like a stocking and Cole's face on it and said that's what everybody's getting for Christmas. <laughs> oh my god, that's so cute. That's so, so funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I do have a, a very hilarious way to give gifts, a, a tradition of gift giving, not necessarily what gift to give. Let me tell you about the poop blog of Catalan. <laughs> In Catalan, there is a poop log called Cagatillo. And Cagatillo means the pooping log. 
the, the log that poops, right? It started out long, long, long time ago when people would go out into the forest, they would get there. It's not a Yule log, but it's like like the Yule log. It was a log that they would get cut wood off of and burn it from the 25th of December to, to the 1st of January. And then somehow Kagatio developed, right? And Kagatio has a face and a little hat, like a cotillion. They look like these little floppy yeah. hats mm. that people, you know, would wear like farming and stuff. And then a blanket. The blanket is very important. Please don't forget about the blanket, okay? You get the poop log and you feed the poop log. And the poop log loves sweets. Every night you leave food out for the poop log. And it loves oranges. It loves sweets. There's this cotillion, uh, like it's like a cake. I forget the name of it. The poop log loves this. And then on the 20, 24th or 25th, depending on where you are, you sing a song and you beat the poop log. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. So when you first said you poop log, I thought it's the log of poops. As in someone is writing down logging the poops. That's what I thought when you said poop Sheldon? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like an Excel spreadsheet of who yes, poops and things. Exactly. No, no, no. Which would tie in with the whole uh, gift giving. And remember, because uh, Sheldon is very, very much against gifts, because he said mm-hmm. then you need to con- yeah. constantly reciprocate. Yeah. <laughs> and that would tie into that very well. So basically, it's an episode about Sheldon. The the log. It's got the craziest face. Like Google Google cotillion okay. poop log. Kaga C A G A T O, and you will see. Kagatio, yeah, feeding mm-hmm. the poop log. Catalan Christmas tradition. Yes. Fuck me. Okay. <laughs> Just look at the picture. Wait until yeah. I tell you what happens after they beat the poop log. It's got like a Scottish feel to him. It's covered in tartan. Oh yes, yes, he's covered in tartan again. Maybe, maybe that's because maybe that's because you have Scottish Wi-Fi. Because mine isn't. Oh, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe he's killed and I thought it was going to be. You can have, you know, cagatillos of many sizes. Sometimes your right. cagatillo is big. Sometimes your cagatillo is small, just depending on your house. But the blanket, the blanket is very important, right. okay? Because cagatillo gets cold, right? Sure. And from cagatillo's little butthole <laughs> springs forth presence okay you beat him and you sing a song about cagatio cagatio please poop us out some delicious treats please poop us out some amazing presence and they beat the law lo- the log the cagatio and <laughs> when the more you beat the log the more presents come out of his little butt and the more you feed him the more presents you get but Cagatillo will not eat the food if you're bad. So Cagatillo won't eat the food. And if Cagatillo doesn't eat the food, then he has no fuel for pooping presents. So that's why you got to be good. So Cagatillo will eat the sweets that you give him and poop you out a lot of presents. So some places do it a little bit differently. So sometimes like each child will beat the Cagatillo. And then from under the blanket... They will produce, the parent will reach their hand under the blanket. Even if the cockatoo is small, the blanket is usually pretty big. Reach the hand under and pull out a present. Oh my God, cockatoo just pooped you out a gift, child. (laughs) (laughs) So when these kids get to science class a few years later, yeah, their mind is blown. Surprised as hell. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the um. What would you we call it? The 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 nourishment system of trees. <laughs> Here's a piece of wood, so it reproduces, and it no, it doesn't. What's the defecating system for this log? Trees don't defecate, Josh. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's my favorite thing ever. Yeah, the the Come pooping on. Christmas log, amazing. My favorite present distribution system. <laughs> yep, it's a yeah. present. Yes, yes, that's what we're gonna call it. Yeah. Because now, now over here we have the and I bet you it was from America. <laughs> I bet you we have Once that elf on the shelf. Oh, I hate that thing. It's creepy. I 
that's creepy. It's so yeah. terrible. Yeah. I think from an educator standpoint, I hate it because it reinforces all sorts of bad stuff. Yeah. And it's just so naughty. I just don't like it. Yeah, that's an American thing. I'm sorry. Once again, I apologize for my people. People go mad over it. They get really creative. Don't get me wrong. Some of the stuff I see on TikTok, mm-hmm. oh, that's quite smart. That was cool Could you elaborate it if listeners don't yeah. understand? So I don't know where Elf on the Shelf started. If I were to guess somewhere in the Midwest or somewhere in the South, because that's where all weird things begin in America. So it's this little elf, Will Ferrell's buddy, the elf, that kind of, it looks like that. It's got creepy, creepy eyeballs. And for 23 days before Christmas, starting on December 1st, but the elf appears in different places. And some people do it to where like the elf does naughty things. If you're naughty and then the elf does good things, if you're good, there's lots of different ways that people do this. Some people make the elf like put it in very compromising positions. Some people make the elf in the refrigerator, like digging at the butter or something like that. So the kids, it's they they have to go find the elf every single day. And then the parents tell them the elf is watching you. The elf is like... CIA for Santa Claus. (laughs) So every single night, the elf is like reporting back to Santa. It's like, listen to what these little kids did today. They were awful. And then Santa's like, naughty list. No presents for you. It's basically a means of control for the the (laughs) children in the month of December. (laughs) It's wild. (laughs) I think kids today have got so smart and just saying to them, like, you're going to be on the naughty list, it's just not working anymore. We needed something else. <laughs> An extra, apparently. Yeah. Get the Yule cat. Yeah, the Yule cat. <laughs> want to get yeah. eaten alive? <laughs> I, know, I know people who go wild over this. Mm. And they're, like, my age, and they've got smaller kids, and they go wild, and, like, the 1st of December, the elves come out with bundles of presents and games and everything for the kids. And I'm like, just showering your kids with shite all of December. What is the point of this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's some people that do it so nicely and like very tasteful and Mm. like in a great way. And then there's some people who use it as big brother. (laughs) (laughs) Big brother is watching you. (laughs) Don't have a thought crime right now or else the elf is going to find out. Exactly. Okay, so what are the countries or cultures that have banned Christmas over the centuries? So there is a very famous incident of England, actually. England and Ireland, I think, was involved in it as well, of banning Christmas. Fully just banning Christmas in the 1600s. 1649. Yeah, yes, exactly. So it will be England, so, Scotland, Wales, literally the whole the whole island plus all of Ireland because at that time it was together. Yeah, exactly. So Oliver Cromwell, the most killjoy of all killjoys in the whole world. <laughs> he killed Joy and he killed Charles the 1st. That that's not yes. okay. Yeah. No. I don't know much about European history, but I know that guy was a dick. So this fucking guy, Oliver Cromwell, just rude. So like Christmas was so wild. Christmas and Saturnalia are not exactly like tied together, but they do Christmas traditions do take from Saturnalia and Saturnalia was like wild. Every American frat house, if they got together and like partied for like a whole (laughs) week, that's what... Saturnalia was like, and Christmas was like that as well. People got drunk. People just didn't do their jobs. Like the city stood still for like nothing got done for days and days and days. And lots of naughty things happened as well. And so Oliver Cromwell and the rest of his Protestant Reformation meanies (laughs) were like, no more fun ever ever again if we can do anything about it. So they canceled Christmas. They were like, no, absolutely no holidays whatsoever here. 
nobody is allowed to celebrate no merrymaking they i don't even think people were allowed to like gather in groups of more than your immediate family or something like that so lockdown <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, it was basically lockdown yeah. with no pandemic yeah. <laughs> just a really mean guy i mean people it, it happened for a, uh, a few years Charles II's restoration, so mm -hmm. that was overturned. So about a, just over a decade. Yeah, but yes. in Scotland, it, it lasted longer. It actually lasted until the nineteen and into the nineteen hundreds. It wasn't as big up here because of the Catholic connotations. It was seen as a, mm -hmm. a Catholic holiday. So even mm -hmm. up in Scotland until the nineteen hundreds, it was celebrated. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't as celebrated to the extent that the English or the Welsh maybe celebrated that, but yeah, that's why we have Hogmanay. Hogmanay, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. That is literally why we go all out in New Year. That's why, because we needed, listen, we like our drink up here and we need <laughs> So Scotland and Soviet Union, I never drew parallels until today. Yeah. <laughs> New Year's Eve. Okay. We brought them the globe, so... <laughs> Christmas was technically banned, I guess, in Japan, um, because all Christianity was banned in, in Japan during the Edo period, which started in, in the middle 1600s and then lasted until 1867, the end of the 1800s. So like almost 300 years when foreign people were not allowed to come at all, mm. not allowed to come to Japan at all. They like even at the end of the Edo period, they built a whole new island so that they could still trade with people from so the islands to trade. Yes. Yes. So they built this island called Dejima and they were like, OK, you can foreigners can come here, but it's not technically Japanese soil. So like we're still technically within our own rules that we set for ourselves. So there you go loophole and right before japan totally closed hmm. they like just went in on the jesuit priests and any christians at all so any like celebrations of any sort of christian christianity was completely banned and they even made people step on the on the image of jesus to like prove that they weren't they were like do this monthly yeah. like they would come out and be like, any Christians up in here? And they'd be like, well, we think this guy is Christian. And then he'd be like, no, 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 I'll step on Jesus. Like, I'm not Christian. Don't kill me. Yeah, it was wild. It was super crazy. So <laughs> what was was it like? You're not like any religion. You've got to like your religion is your empire and your country. Is it that kind of idea? The first samurai families that like were trying to unite Japan together thought that Christianity was poison. They were like, mm. we do not want any of this because it took away because in Japan, the emperor was God. It was a God until 1945 when Emperor Hirohito had to be like, P.S. guys, I poop and I'm not a God. So, yeah. Uh, Here's, my thought, <laughs> Here's my poop log. <laughs> I do poop. Here it is. <laughs> You're not getting presents, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> no presents for anybody, though. So yeah, it was it it was believed, and still some people, like some nationalists, still believe that the emperor is descended from Amaterasu, the the mm -hmm. like main goddess here of Japan. So they were like, okay, this other god. This Jesus character over here and this God guy yeah. totally messes with our whole idea like that the emperor is descended from gods. We can't have two Jesuses up in here now, can we? So they just yeah. totally rejected Christianity altogether. Yeah. Yeah, because kings and queens here, not now, obviously, kings and queens <laughs> here are seen as representatives of God, kind mm -hmm. of like chosen by God, but they're actual gods in japan mm -hmm. not not anymore but yeah they were like gods yeah. they were like next level tenno the 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 kanji for god is like heaven it's got heaven in the name so it's really interesting when you first start learning japanese history it's kind of like when you first start reading uh like a deep fantasy book you yeah. know where it's like 
and Elithral traveled to the kingdom of Shungar uh, and <laughs> was trained in the ways of the Vlalatma. And you're like, what the hell is any of this? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what is, yeah. And then across the narrow sea, this happened. <gasps> <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out what L L Fluffa is doing over here. <laughs> yeah. It really does it. I mean, it takes it takes a minute to get used to the words. I'm not going to lie. Mm. That takes a minute. It totally does. Yeah. I mean, Japan has an incredibly unique history because mm. there's no other country really that had the ability to just close itself off for like 300 years. <laughs> just be like, get out of here. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. So what do they think of that period in Japan? Do they think that was a good idea for them to do that? Do they think they shouldn't have bothered opening up again? Yeah, well, it was kind of like the people here in like during the Edo period, I have a really good book. It's called Voices of Early Modern Japan, and it's contemporary accounts of daily life during the age of the shoguns. So this is like the daily life of people during that time. And they were like all about it because there was no foreign competition for people like for merchants. They were all about not having foreign competition. And merchants actually got so rich during the, this time that a lot of them got more wealthy than some samurai. And um, that's when like art start, like during the Heian period, like a long, 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 long time ago, there was a lot of art that began, but a lot of the art that like Japan is like famous for, yeah. all of the culture that Japan is famous for developed during this time period. So, I mean, people enjoyed it, but there were people who were like, we want we want to know what's like going out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And it was the Portuguese who came first and J Japan was like, okay, like we'll let you bring your food. We'll take your food and a few of your words and then you need to get out. Yeah. And then Dutch came and the Dutch were a little bit more, let's trade. We have guns. Do you want yeah. some of our guns? Yeah. And Japan was like, ah, okay, we'll take your guns. Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> we like this. And then they were also like, would you also like modern medicine? And they were like, well, okay, but also the guns, right? <laughs> yeah, of course the guns, you can have the guns. And then Japan was still like, but no, you, you don't bring that Jesus in here. No Jesus whatsoever. So they checked, they checked the people for any religious paraphernalia. And so there's a lot of cool secret Christian thingies that ha were confiscated and are now in the Tokyo National Museum, I think is where they are. You'll find a little cross inside of a salt and pepper shaker. Like you screw it off. The long part is in the salt and the cross beam is in the pepper. And like you put it together and like, here's a little cross. You know, so that people could worship, but yeah. still, you know, not be sent away from Japan <laughs> yeah. or killed. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. that uh, priest whole sort of, Yeah, I, I don't want to use the word culture, but kind of that whole sort of discipline around the mm -hmm. uh, priest holes and things in Elizabethan England when they couldn't worship openly so they had to yeah, they had a whole priest not just a wee cross a whole priest yes a whole priest a whole <laughs> whole and they had to do kind of makeshift mass and makeshift things and hide things quickly and basically kind of ikea up ikea down kind of yeah. things to yeah, make yeah. sure that the service <laughs> happened so this is this is very much no giving you those vibes yeah it's crazy and then when matthew perry came which i have another you're going to laugh so hard. This is Matthew Perry, as depicted by the Japanese when he first came to Japan. The Matthew Perry. The Matthew, Matthew, Matthew Perry. Perry. Not the Friends one, but the other one. And then one of his Commodore dudes over there. And so in 18... I'm going to go in 11 and say he didn't look like that. Yeah. But they didn't really... wasn't really that great of a depiction of him. <laughs> it's kind of a, like, you know how Egyptian art and Egyptian art, everybody looks the same and yes. nobody actually looked like that. It was just this like idealised image of what somebody should look like or mm -hmm. what they think people should okay. look like. So I'm going to yeah. elaborate. 
Matthew Perry is in Matthew C. Perry, American Naval Officer. Yes. <laughs> that one. That, that requires Matthew qualification because I was under impression until 45 seconds ago that you were talking about the R.I.P. Matthew Perry. Oh, no, 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 no. Because I had never yeah. heard of the Matthew C. Perry of... Um, Matthew C. Perry, the OG. Newport, Rhode Island, New York. Yes. And then he died in New York. Yeah, I had uh-huh. no idea any of this existed. So he, so America was like, listen, the American president at the time, I forgot who it was. The president was like, listen, Japan, we need to, we need to colonize. We've colonized all that we can colonize, but we haven't colonized Japan yet. So like, let's go over there and like, see what they're doing because they've been closed for like so long. And the Dutch, the Dutch are over there. We want to know what the Dutch are doing because we can't allow the Dutch to have anything, anything else. And so they sent Matthew Perry over there with his big black ships. Matthew Perry goes over there. He's like, knock, 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 Japan. I know you've been closed for like 300 years, but either you open up or we open you up. Make your choice. So it's a knock, knock, knock. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Knock, knock. Who's there? Matthew Z. Perry. Matthew Z. Perry who? (laughs) Do you want? Me to open you up or like, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> then at this time, the emperor was still a, a puppet, pretty much a puppet emperor for the, like the last 300 years. The, the shoguns who were the military leaders, they're like the dictators or whatever. They were like, uh, we don't want to open up and we'll fight you America. But they didn't realize that America was America and that America does what America does and just like goes in and just like fuck shit up. So the emperor was like, okay, if I start like modernizing, which he already wanted to do because he was a very young emperor. I think he took the throne when he was like 14 or 15 and he was like fascinated with foreign things. He learned English. He was the first emperor to ever learn English. He uh, was like, okay, I want to side with the Americans because I don't really want to get colonized. I still want to be emperor. And then the samurai were like, fuck you. We want to stay on top because the samurai at that point were no longer fighting. It was just the social class. Mm. So they were like, if we modernize, our social class is just going to go away. Like, then we won't be special anymore. And so some of the samurai were like, oh, I see what's happening. Let me go over here with the emperor and be with the emperor. And then this is when Tom Cruise comes over and he films The Last Samurai. (laughs) That's when Japan has this big civil war and they're like fighting and it's like the samurai versus the Meiji emperor. And yeah, that's what happened. Mission accomplished. I mean, Japan was closed, like so foreigners mm-hmm. couldn't get in. But could Japanese people go out and come back? Nope, nope, no. nope. No. So it's like an They're... iron curtain, you know what? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly like an iron curtain. And there were a few envoys of like to China, and then after Japan opened up, they sent this huge like this i think it was like uh, more than 100 people of varying like social groups and like ages and stuff like that and they went on a world tour to learn everything that they could and then come back to japan and be like this is what we learned like we need to like modernize when japan was opened up by matthew c perry they still thought that people had like three stomachs nobody knew where the liver was because it was you know it was not allowed to like cut people open so basically it was like um update of the news feeds kind of previously on the world yeah (laughs) this is what you've missed exactly so they sent all these people out there and they were like learn and come back and that's exactly what they did yeah (laughs) crazy can you imagine like if we had been in lockdown basically with no outside information for like 300 years and somebody from 300 years ago seen this today you'd be like it's too much it's far too fucking much what the hell yeah i know yeah that's exactly what it was like for people exactly what it was like for people and the effects are still there today like there's some people who have never seen a foreign person before in japan it's kind of like that film village 
which again, when I watched it, reminded me of Soviet Union and when the shackles came off. Uh, they were kind of keeping everyone in the sort of, what was it, 18th, 19th, 19th century sort of way. But then they didn't realize the fact and they didn't want people to realize the fact that actually outside world had moved yeah. on a long time ago. So when, mm-hmm. sorry, spoiler yeah. alert, when the girl escapes, the audience sees actually it's a 20, 20, 21st century outside. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. Like, Is that mean of like the Amish in America? Kind of, yeah. Because I mean, you know, I don't really know uh, a lot about them. I watched that TV show. Do you know that TV show of the nineties? Yeah, that um, something Amish, like yeah, that, breaking Amish. Yeah, like that. I watched yeah. that. Can't imagine growing up in that environment. You don't have any technology, and then being like, is, is it like when they get to a certain age, they're allowed out into the world for a year, and then they choose whether they come back or not? For the Amish, yeah, yes, it's they they have this thing called rumspringa. They were, yeah, exactly what you said, able to go out into the world, do their thing and decide if they want to come back. Yeah. I mean, that must be, oh, it must be just, I can't wow. imagine. You can't, I can't imagine living Amish and then going to New York City. That would just be right. incredible. Chaos. Chaos yeah. to your senses. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what kind of foods are associated with Christmas worldwide? So in Japan, Kentucky Fried Chicken and cake are associated with Christmas. The best. Yep. <laughs> yep. Kentucky Fried Chicken. And this was another commercialized thing. So in the 70s, this guy, Takeshi Okawara, he was like a marketing guy for KFC. And he noticed that there was like a lot of expats in Japan that were, you know, from America and from England and Canada and stuff like that. And usually people in those countries have turkey for Christmas or Thanksgiving or something like that. My family is a ham family, but there are many people who do turkey. The the guy was like, ah, why don't we just offer a special KFC dinner for Christmas? And then it just turned into a whole thing. And now people have to order like a month in advance. Oh, my God. To like have it available for them. We do yeah. have because no, no, nobody in my family likes turkey. I think, I think turkey is disgusting. So we've always done chicken, but KFC sounds better. KFC, they go and get it. And then the Christmas cake happened. So in World War II, when America was like in full force occupying Japan, not in World War II, after World War II, in the the soldiers like care packages and stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of people would like send cake because cake, they, they lasted a long time. And so sometimes the soldiers would share their cakes with the local people. And so cake then became like this symbol of like, affluence because japan was booked up after world war ii and there was like no food for anybody yeah. and so if you were able to like have a cake then you were like the creme de la creme so you 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 were seen as wealthy and so it started off as like a symbol of wealth and now it's just like a regular thing that people do christmas cake so is that still mm-hmm. like the fruit cakes is it like a uh, traditional christmas cake here Nope, like strawberry chiffon cakes is mm. like the classic Christmas cake here. So it's like the angel food, really fluffy yeah. cake with the um, whipped cream, not frosting, but like whipped cream mm-hmm. and then strawberries all over the top of it. And that is like the quintessential Japanese Christmas cake. I'm moving to Japan. What is British now is a wee bit different from what was British maybe 100 years ago. Yeah. Like mm. Victorian British is... Victorian British is what is seen as British now. Yes. Mm, but it's it? not in real life. No. Yeah. A lot of people do work. I know loads of people who just yeah. work because you get double time. <laughs> in 2021, they did another census. And last year, the thing they published the results saying that surprisingly, less than, what was it, less than half the uh, less than half of the country is religious for the first time ever or something like that. Basically, a surprising wow. percentage isn't religious for the first time, yeah, literally ever. So Henry VIII and Oliver Cromwell would be very surprised by these results. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Christmas is celebrated in Britain today. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how, it, that's definitely how it's, it's changed a lot. And I think that's how a lot of people work. Because before, like when I was growing up, you would not work on Christmas Day. And it's not because, oh, you have to have Santa Claus and you have to do all this commercialization. You have to be in church or you have to be in chapel, yeah. basically. Do you know what I mean? So you would be off because everybody would be in church or chapel. 
we go to um, midnight mass the night before get up and then we have to go to church and you're spending half the day in church like I would not get my presents until I was allowed to open one thing before I went to church on Christmas morning and then I had to go back to church that's kind of and you're spending half the day in church like and then as soon as you come back you're having Christmas dinner with all the family and then you get to open your presents so it's yeah. not really like Santa Claus the first thing in the morning everybody's opening the presents we like my kids and most kids in this country do it now so that's definitely changed but I think what has maybe got a wee bit stronger and there is a lot of family element and that has kept that tradition up here. If you are British, it has kind of been put in that you have to be with your family on Christmas Day. I don't think that's changed. And I think people who are not mm. with their family on Christmas Day feel it a lot when you're British because you've been brought up to you have to be with your family or you should be with your family. That's how it is in the States too. It has, you know, changed. There are people in in the states that don't celebrate Christmas, but for the people who do celebrate Christmas, mm-hmm. like being with your family is like super important. You know, I go home for Christmas every year, but I also have only ever been a teacher, so that's the only job I have ever had out of university is being a teacher. So my life experience for holidays is very different for the average person. So I'm like, what do you mean you don't get three months break in the? In the summer, <laughs> all of my work experience has been in education. So I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to get two weeks off at Christmas and I'm going to go see my family. And that's just what it's going to be. I'm also going to get paid shit for the rest of my life. But hey, three months off in the summertime. <laughs> Screw hockey. Let's all do this. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what yeah. hilariously, considering I'm the only one with kids, I can't stand kids. I couldn't be a teacher. I love kids. <laughs> They're so weird. <laughs> Just to edit that a little bit, you're not the only one here who hates them. You know that, right? You don't have any, yeah. though. I love them when I can give them back to somebody else. I'm like, yeah. so fun. Thanks so much. Go back to the people that made you. <laughs> Where's my deposit? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So what are your favorite traditions? In my Midwestern life. So in America, many people in the Midwest and many people in the South do something called hide the pickle. On the Christmas tree, the Christmas pickle. Oh, right. <laughs> hide the Christmas pickle. It's an ornament that is the last one to go on the Christmas tree, and it's a pickle. It's it's a little plastic or or glass pickle. Parents will, or you know, guardians will put the pickle on the tree, and then the first child to find the pickle in the morning will either get to be the first person to open up the present or get a special present. And there's like all sorts of different stories on how the pickle came to be. Like there's a story, a horrible story about two Spanish boys dying and this like innkeeper in Spain. It's wild. Like this innkeeper in Spain kills these two boys and then hides their bodies in like a pickle vat. And then St. Nicholas brings them back to life. And that's the origin story of the pickle. First of all, that's a pickled gherkin. Am I right? In yeah. UK? Yeah. yeah. And two, mm-hmm. this gives me the vibes of very pickled body of Admiral Nelson, who travels here from Trafalgar in a barrel of brandy, and they needed to preserve wow. his body for his funeral. Also Spain. I don't know why there's so much Spain here today, but uh, first the poop log. Now we have the Pickle yeah, things pickle coming, yeah, pickle, pickle boys or pickled Nelson coming from <laughs> Spain. So how did that so become cool. an American thing? Yeah. So there's another legend that says like uh, a soldier, like a German-American soldier brought it over from Germany. He was starving and he was like begging for, you know, food. And then somebody gave him a pickle, like a pity pickle. <laughs> And like he survived and he was like, yes, I love pickles. And it was like a Christmas miracle or whatever. And then um, there's another legend that it was like German glass blowers making pickles, just like making a bunch of like fruits and nuts and things like that for ornaments. Right. And then one that was made was a pickle. But there was a, an article done by the New York New York Times or the Smithsonian, I can't remember, that like surveyed German people and they were like, do you know about the Christmas pickle? And 90% of the German population that they asked had no idea what the fuck the German pickle was. 
So where does this pickle come from? Nobody knows. It's just appeared Nobody knows. Just appeared one day in the Midwest. And Michigan, the state of Michigan, is considered the pickle Christmas capital of the world. Because there is a huge Christmas pickle celebrate like competition held in Michigan. What is the what is the name? Uh 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 Barren Springs, Michigan is the pickle Christmas capital of the world. And that's my favorite Christmas tradition. <laughs> Where can people find you? Yep. In- yeah, yeah. So you can find me at For the Love of History on Instagram. I'm for the love of underscore history podcast. On my podcast is just for the love of history. And that's me. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of If It Ain't Baroque Podcast. Please like, subscribe and share with your friends. With Gemma and myself, you can find us on social media. The handle is at If It Ain't Baroque Podcast on Instagram and If It Ain't Baroque History on TikTok. The website is ifitainbaroque.art. And if you'd like to join me on one of my walking tours, please check out reinoflondon.com. Thank you so much and see you next time.